It's the Geeky Waffle Podcast. Today we are talking about Josie and the Pussycats, the 2001 musical, I guess we can call it a comedy. Uh, so I'm obviously not Candace. I'm Arzu and with me today is Brie. Hello. So Brie and I are both big fans of this movie, Josie and the Pussycats, and we wanted to talk about it because very recently it celebrated its 20th anniversary, which is making me feel pretty old extremely old and i'm having an identity crisis i watched it recently i'm like oh yeah this didn't come out too long ago like yeah i was a teen but sure and then on twitter they're like 20 years since josie and the pussycats i'm like just gonna go stare in the mirror and contemplate my age (laughs) right like (laughs) what is life what is what is time anymore it's even worse now i have no concept of time or what any of that is so (laughs) before we dive into this movie brie can you give us a brief synopsis of it please there is a boy band named dejour that is top tier backstreet boys level and they get into a plane crash. Lo and behold, their manager survives and ends up in Riverdale, where our heroines, Josie and the Pussycats, live and perform in their little crappy town where people hate them because they're weird and not like everyone else. They get signed by this manager to a record label. And in less than a week, they're the hottest band in town. And then unfolds the mystery about how Mr. Movie Phone is in under every hit CD player. CD? CD, yeah. It's subliminal messaging through pop music. And is, you know, telling you what to buy, who's cool, what's hot, what's next, and they need to solve this mystery. Yeah, it's fun, upbeat comedy about subliminal messaging in pop culture and it's so much fun i remember so this movie came out in 2001 for some reason i thought it came out in the 1990s it feels like a 1990s it does it does i don't know about you but i loved the cartoon josie and the pussycats i hadn't seen much of it i read their comics like whenever they were in the in the archie digests like i was familiar with them that way so this was the first time i was seeing like just in the pussycats on screen was this movie oh really so you weren't familiar with the, like the campy cartoon ah if anything like as a clip that i was vaguely aware of but it was mm-hmm. i don't think it aired on our cartoon stations here so i mm-hmm. just never had an opportunity to see it oh that's so interesting okay yeah So basically the cartoon, every episode, Josie and the Pussycats solve a mystery. Okay, so this is on brand for them then. Yeah, it really is. And I feel like a lot of people don't, didn't like know that. And what I loved about this movie is it kind of stayed on that brand of like, you know, they're, they're rock stars, but they also help solve mysteries. I don't know. Like, yeah. Some of like the reviews I found have been very like, oh, well, it was too over the top, too campy. But it works perfectly like for the the overall tone that they set. Everything is sort of, especially the second you leave Riverdale, because Riverdale kind of feels like, you know, very normal, I guess we could say. And then the second you leave Riverdale, then it's when everything becomes over the top. Yes. Because they, like you said, Brie, they become famous in a week. Like the type of global celebrity of like any girl group, boy band, whatever, at their peak happens to them in a seven day period. I love that they question that too. Like in the script, they're like, wait, isn't this so weird? This is crazy. It can't be happening in just like one week. (laughs) And they're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like, don't question it. Don't question it or we'll put you in our weird underground lab. I want to talk about DuJour real quick. Yes. DuJour means segues. Growing up, I was obsessed with Seth Green. 
And like he, he was in the boy band du jour, and I was like, I already feel like a fangirl for one. But I love how they couldn't dance. <laughs> it was like okay, so if you haven't seen it, the the movie opens with this band du jour singing a song in a very clear parody of a Backstreet Boys video. But like we says, they can't dance for shit. It's definitely mocking the one Backstreet Boys music video where they're wearing all white. Yeah, I I know exactly which video it is, but right now I couldn't tell you what song it was. Isn't it? It's not. I want it that way. It is. I want it that way. Okay. It's so sad that I knew that. I was like, it's that or it's one of the other ones, but then I remember that one was too old to be that video. So No, I remember it clearly. I was a very big Backstreet Boys fan. Very big. And I just outed myself. Nothing, look, I mean, I am also a huge Baxter Boys fan for all that I cannot remember their music videos, clearly. So you're fine, Brie. You're not alone. I'm just going to look left at myself. Yeah, they can't dance. They do those, like, weird moves. I was watching... I was watching... It was like, do the creep from SNL. Yes! <laughs> I was cracking up and they like try to embody like a specific type of boy band guy. You know, so you have Seth Green, you have the guy from Scrubs and Clueless. Donald Faison and Breckenmeyer, yeah. and then the fourth guy who whose name I can't remember. Oh, who is that? Uh, Les from Dujour. I don't <laughs> That's how I know. Yeah. So other than the one guy whose name we can't remember, they are three guys who were quite big at the time in various movies that like people our age would recognize. So all these very recognizable faces versus like the cast of Just and the Pussycats that I feel like, were we familiar with them at the time? She's all that. Yes. Thank you. Right. This is right after she's all that. So And Tara Reid was, I think, popular at the time as well. Because of American Pie. Yeah. I, I think- was marginally too young to have seen American Pie at the time. So I had no idea who she was. Yes. I, I, was like I don't 10, remember seeing so her. I haven't seen American yeah no no I definitely didn't see it either but I definitely know she was big at the time Rosaria Dawson I think was like upcoming though never mind I thought they were making some statement about using like guys everybody knew but then these new upcoming actresses but I guess I was wrong oh it's Hollywood they would have Hollywood (laughs) They, they would have too they would have made that kind of commentary but I guess I guess not so these guys perform a show and then they leave with their manager and he jumps out of the plane with the pilot, leaving the plane to crash. And it's all because they questioned what was on their CD. They're like, we listened to this track and it's like something under the music. And then of course the natural step is that the four of them have to die. Yes. And I don't know if you caught it, but Alan Cumming, who plays the creepy manager. Wyatt Frame. Yes. He says, Take the Chevy to the levee. I didn't get the reference until the last time I watched it. So like a couple weeks ago. Last night I was like, I, there's so much music references to this. And now I know because it's the day the music died yeah. and they're going to die. Oh, and not everybody got that either that I was watching with. Like, cause it's me and it was my brother's girlfriend who's, who's my age and my teenage cousin. So I didn't expect her to, to understand it. But even she was like, oh, that's because it's a song reference. I'm like, no, it's because it's referring to the day a plane crashed and killed three musicians. Yeah. Like he's being pretty explicit with what he wants to do, but I guess they're not banking on on their audience knowing that. Yeah, it was so funny. I was like, oh. (laughs) Like it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. (laughs) Also, I love in Riverdale, Alan M. Can we just talk about him as the most handsome guy in Riverdale? He's a sweet boy. (laughs) 
His sandals is that were bugging him? me. His name bugs you? No, his sandals that he was wearing. Yes, they bug me too. And I don't know why. Oh, the whole time I was just like staring. I'm like, how did I get through this scene as a as a child? <laughs> so, I like hyper fixated. I was like, why? What is this man wearing? Well, because he's a hippie man. The handsomest guy in Riverdale, I guess. Oh, I that's guess. mean. No, he's a sweetie. No, he's nice. He's nice. Even though at first I was, I thought he was a jerk. Like to Josie, at least. Like when they're talking? Yeah. Like the, at her house? I feel like they're trying to make it seem like he's shy. But because the whole thing is Josie's point of view, it f- lands very flat. Like, yeah. oh, he's just being dismissive? Yeah. I felt he was like too cool for school. If you haven't seen it, it sort of sounds like he's about to tell Josie he likes her. And then he starts talking about something else entirely. So that's like one of those, oh... He chickened out, and now he's just changed the subject to talk about some guy at work. It didn't feel like that. Even, like, I don't know. I feel like that's what they wanted to do, whether or not it landed. I hope this isn't one of those things where he only wants her after she becomes famous, because that doesn't seem like an Alan M thing. Hopefully not. I would would expect better from you, Alan M. He's the handsomest guy in Riverdale. He should be the nicest one, too. Yes, exactly. So, Josie and gang find out that DuJour has perished in this plane crash, and they use this as, like, motivation to be like, okay, we're going to make our dreams come true, and it doesn't matter what it takes, so they stage, like, a flash mob concert. Not flash mob because it's only three of them. But they stage like some kind of (laughs) impromptu concert in front of a clothing store. And they get chased away and nearly run over by Wyatt Frame, who sees the three of them standing there holding instruments. And he's like, you know what? Good enough. So he takes them to Starbucks, which we're going to get to in a second with the branding and the product placement. But he takes them to Starbucks and offers them a record deal, which they accept right away with very minimal hesitation. Not looking over the contract, even though, well, their rinky dink manager was there and I don't know if you, so that manager and his sister Alexandria are also yeah. in the cartoon. They're in the comics too. I, I like I remember. Okay, yeah, them. perfect. So okay, so since I mentioned it, let's just get into it. This movie, one of the things I remember very distinctly as a child, and it's like I think it's one of the things it's probably known for, is the fact that the product placement is so extreme to the point of almost being comical. The Archie comics and now Riverdale, it, it's almost like an in-joke that when they want to mention a brand name, they will slightly alter it so that they're not actually using the brand name. So like American Express cards become American Excess cards, like something like that. But this movie, the second you're out of Riverdale, everywhere you look, there are at least five or six brand names in your face. Oh, 100%. And I feel like it's a commentary on commercialism or or how heavily tied together things like art and marketing are. I don't know, Brie, what was your general impression? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this is capitalism at its finest. Capitalism. That's what I want to say, not commercialism. Wow. No, you're so good. I I literally was talking to someone and I was like, this whole movie was focused on capitalism. And they're like, no, it wasn't. I was like, it's a whole movie. It's, it's just about, like you said, like branding and selling and just, I like forgot how heavy hitting it was like with, oh, I need to buy orange shoes. Orange is the new pink. And now everyone's dressing all in orange. And I remember it's like how those big trends happen when you were young. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, I need this. And you're just sort of like, why do I need this? And you need this specific brand. It's not just that I need like regular shoes. I need like Puma shoes or I need, you know, whatever. Yeah. And I I was like, oh, this is making me look again. And like, am I too materialistic? Am I not focusing on what I like? 
or is it just a trend? Do you know what was interesting that I noticed when I was I was like taking some notes and thinking about this was I first said everything outside of Riverdale is covered in marketing. It's like billboards or in the background or like the stores are walking past, whatever. But the only place really outside of Riverdale that doesn't have that is their recording studio. Yeah. Because the marketing is all contained within the sound mixer that adds that subliminal level of you need to buy this, you need to buy that, you need to buy that. So it's not that it's not there, but we can't see it. We're as ignorant as the bands are who come in. Basically, yeah. Like it's, it's the exact same thing as having it under the music track. We we are unaware that it's there, even though it's right in front of us. That's why I feel like this movie is so beautiful in the way it weaves itself, like taking us on that journey of self-discovery. And I love when sometimes they break the fourth wall. Even, oh, my, my favorite like, moment is when they ask Alexandra why she's even on the trip. And she's like, because I was in the comic book. Yeah, it's so self, it's a self-aware movie within itself. And I love that. There is another part where Rosario Dawson's character, Valerie, is questioning the billboard that they put up like right after their makeover. Mm-hmm. The makeover How they got montage. that picture, I have no idea. Right? She's questioning the name because they change it from the Pussycats to Josie and the Pussycats. And he's like, you need a big name. You need the in the name. Yes. Or and. Yeah, you need and. Yeah, that's what it was. You need and in the name. And she's like, well, what about the Beatles or this? He goes, yes, yes, that's all fine. But, you know, think about how it would work for comic books, uh, a movie about, you know, three luscious women. And I'm like, oh, this is so self-aware. It's not even funny. So so speaking of Wyatt and his whole sketchy sus deal. So let's let's talk villains. So we have yes. Wyatt, who is the the record exec, the manager that deals with Josie and the Puskats. And then we have Fiona, Fiona, who is the head of Mega Records, this this record label that Wyatt works for. Who is played by Parker Posey. Parker Posey. They established fairly early on sort of what their deal is, that they want to control like teenagers and what they're buying and how they can basically be made to make them buy whatever. And they're pitching this to a bunch of really shady foreign investors. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That does. A couple of their motivational beats don't hold up very well, although I guess the foreign investor thing is really nothing new, nothing we've, nothing we're not doing still. But I feel like some of the lines would change like in today's yeah. time as well. I was thinking about Fiona's driving motivation behind the whole thing because her ultimate goal is for the subliminal message at the big concert at the end of the movie to be how awesome she personally is and to sort of make herself seem very appealing to everyone. And on the one hand, that is an extremely sort of almost relatable for anybody who's ever had a hard time like as a kid that's almost like something you would want to do if you were given that kind of ability like of course you would want to make everybody like you and like that's completely understandable but there there are aspects to her behavior and her approach to trying to find friends as an adult that I mean I don't know where I'm going with this I feel like you know sort of like asking a girl how much she weighs and like being like ha I weigh less than you do like you shouldn't be talking like that to people but then I don't feel like the movie is saying that this is correct either no and also I feel like she was so stuck in the past and I think that's what her like Fiona throws Josie and the Pussycats a like launch party but it's really Fiona's party yeah It's for her. And one, I'm like, oh, she's already kind of cool because she's in charge of this really huge record label. She has people, but she's still living in the past. Like she brings Josie and the girls or Valerie and Melody 
to her girly room, as she calls it. No boys allowed. We can gossip here, you know, and and it's, it's all like the stuff you would find in like a preteen's bedroom. Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, with the dolls and it's a little weird. And she's just so stuck in that past of being uncool. And I think I, I love this movie because it really showcases, like, hey, it's okay to be yourself. And yeah. And also with her ultimate goal of trying to be cool, it's like, hey, you made a success for yourself. You didn't need to do any of this. No. And like the cool thing is like Josie and Val and Mel, they don't seem to mind that Fiona is the way she is. It's just when she kind of becomes too much that they're like, I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But otherwise they're like, yeah, sure, we'll we'll hang out. But so I feel like it, it's it's that thing of like not realizing that genuine people will not mind if you two are a genuine person. Yeah. And also another line about when Josie because Josie's the one who uncovers that there's subliminal messaging in their music. And I just like, she's standing there. She's like, I'm a trend pimp. I don't want to be a pimp for anything. Okay. So they get through this skyrocket to fame. And then right before Josie finds out the scheme, Wyatt gives her what is supposed to be a demo of their new track, but turns out to be a subliminal thing to drive a wedge between her and the other two. Which they were already driving a wedge to try and make Melanie feel, or no, sorry, Valerie feel like less than. Yes. Because I think the thing with with Melody, poor Melody, is she'll just kind of go with the flow. Yeah. So they can just distract her with something shiny and that's the end of that. But with Val, she was sort of, not that she knew what Wyatt was doing, but she didn't trust him and he needed to get her out of the way. Yeah. I mean, that whole part where um, they got out of their makeover montage, they discover the band's now Josie and the Pussycats, and then they're getting in the limo and, you know, Valerie is still standing there kind of, kind of taking it in still because it's happening fast. Things are changing. And then she's like, wait, you left me out of the limo. And then yeah, he like does it, that it so many times. Early. Yeah. The minute she starts asking questions. Yeah. Why it starts. I'm like forgetting to hand her an invitation to the party. I'm like, well, I guess one more won't hurt. Yeah. It was like, it started early and it just kind of went through the whole thing. Yeah. I like how his own kind of subliminal messaging. Yeah. It was in its way. It's, it's so many layers with this movie. Okay. So they get to the, they get to the big concert. Josie uncovers the scheme and then... Right as things look like there's no escape for the pussycats, who should return but du jour. Du jour in full body casts? Except for Les, because he knew the words to Enter Sandman. They landed at a Metallica concert, which is why, <laughs> which is why he needed to know that. But Dujour comes in, they kind of exposit what's going on. Everybody, like, it's all chaotic. Everything's up in the air. And then you find out that both Wyatt and Fiona are not who they say they are. They have their own reasons for being sus, <laughs> I guess, for being villainous. They apologize immediately. They realize they've been in love for years. It's a whole thing. And then the and U.S. Then government comes. The U.S. government comes, gets chased away. Well, they're, they're the putting proceeds. blame because a previous part was that they wanted to teen up because teenagers are brainless and basically they could do anything. Right. And then he tells Wyatt and Fiona that they were going to shut down the operation anyway after the big Josie and the Pussycats concert because it's better to send subliminal messages in movies. At which point we get a very not so subliminal message uh, flashed across your screen. Josie and the Pussycats is best movie. Join the army. I feel like, you know, at the time, I don't think this movie was talked about really a lot 
I don't think so. I don't think so. Like, I don't remember it being talked about much as I was as I was growing up. It's only recently that people, at least that I'm aware of, that people have been talking about it. And can, yeah. we, can we talk about the soundtrack, though? Oh, how much of a banger it is and how I owned it on CD. It's amazing. It's so like so so good for like a bunch of original songs written for a movie yeah. like and a lot like, of and not think- just original songs like it's a musical like they are meant to sound like big pop tracks oh yeah and it's amazing like i know so a lot of actually i i did think at first like my little kid brain thought it was rachel lee cook singing but it definitely wasn't <laughs> no they got they got somebody else to do it I yeah. i thought it was her until until i was older and looked it up yeah, I, like when I got the CD, I realized I was like, oh no, it was a full band they got <laughs> to do all these songs, which were great. But the three of them did have to go to music school, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, they have to learn how to convincingly play their instruments, right? Yes. Even if they're going to get somebody else to record over it. Yeah, which is like, the, I, I was like, ooh, I want to be sent there. The impact of this soundtrack, because I distinctly remember somebody at my high school battle of the bands doing Pretend to be Nice. Really? Yeah. And it was great. Like everybody listening was like really into it. Oh, and I don't know if you did this when you saw it again, but I remembered most of those songs too. It was just like singing along to them. Why I like, I hadn't seen the movie in a while, but I do listen to the soundtrack quite a bit. So it was all fresh. Oh, amazing. See, I haven't listened to my CD in forever. Like I don't have it transferred anywhere and i think the cd is still like at my parents house i put my like way back in high school i put my favorite songs from the soundtrack on my ipod and i've just moved it from device to device love that i need to do that overall impressions of this movie brie do you think it's held up in the last 20 years i think it's held up better i think some of the dialogue maybe not so much but overall the concept i think you can't ask for a a funnier movie about commercialism and how we just kind of buy products willy-nilly without a without a thought i also feel like it almost resonates more now than it did then only because you know back then seeing that much product placement in such a flashy way thrown in your face seemed like a little much Mm -hmm. but now with social media being what it is and the fact that i can't scroll like three images down on Instagram without bumping into an ad or the fact that if I talk about a product, it's going to pop up on my phone, like in recommended ads and like things are constantly in your face now. Yeah. It, it almost feels more relevant now in terms of advertising. Like it's less cartoonish and more just like a very accurate depiction of 2021 through a 2001 lens. Yeah. Um. I have a question for you. Yes. If you two were to recast Josie and the Pussycats for today, who would you pick? I don't know. I feel like it'd have to be somebody young, right? Like younger. True. Younger stars. I'm not sure. Who do you have in mind? Okay. I do have someone in mind for Melody, uh, which was Tara Reid's character. And when she was like, kind of like, (laughs) when they get into the recording studio and she's like, ew, squishy about the walls. I was like, Ariana Grande could probably play that <laughs> character very well. Oh my god, she absolutely could. And then her be- having the pipes that she does, there would be a joke about like Melody having like this amazing voice and the- not Melody, yeah, Melody. Mm-hmm. Having this amazing voice and they'd be like no, no, not our style and then they just move on and never talk about it again. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it's like no, she just likes the drums a lot. <laughs> it's fine. She's like I can't sing and then she like doesn't. <laughs> Oh, yeah, but I was like, oh, she could probably play that really well. 
the cameos at the time for this movie, though, were so good. Like Eugene Levy being Percy the instructional Bailey. video team. I forgot about Eugene Levy until I was rewatching it. Like, Same. <laughs> Canadian Eugene Levy doing a commentary on American commercialism and capitalism. I was like, this is brilliant. And then I don't know. So Carson Daly played a major cameo. And, he played himself too. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you know this, but at the time, him and Tara Reid were dating. Oh, my God. That makes it so much better. <laughs> because they have so many jokes like, oh, I think I like you. Oh, I like you too. You know, that makes a lot more sense now. Like a lot more sense. <laughs> but I think it only works because, well, I don't know. You didn't know they were dating at the time. So did it work for you still without knowing? I was also at that age where I was only vaguely aware of what TRL was. So... I think I'd seen this movie before I ever saw an episode of TRL. And then I saw them like, oh, it's the guy from Josie and the Pussycats. Like, that's where I was at. That's so, amazing. I was the other way around. I have some, I, I want to, did you look up the Rotten Tomatoes scores for this? You have, you have all the stats. So Brie, walk us through it. Walk us through Rotten Tomatoes. I need to know your guess on what you thought. Critic score, I'm going to go with like 43%. And then audience, I'm going to go with like 60%. It's so in the middle, it's not even funny. For critics, 53%. For audience score, 52%. Really? Yeah. I was surprised because I was like, I'm sorry, this banger of a movie deserves a higher audience score. Maybe it was... Did, did Was Rotten Tomatoes a thing in 2001? I don't think so. I don't, I don't remember when Rotten Tomatoes came out. Because I'm thinking if that was all like at the time... People didn't realize what a good thing we had. But if that's all now, then there's no accounting for that. Yeah, like someone commented this in 2013. And they they gave it one star, which I was very offended by. They said, Josie and the Pussycats is an awful mess of a film. The film is poorly constructed with a bland, boring script, a terrible choice of actors, and stupid. Okay. And well, I was if like, you're just going to come here and yuck our yum, then right? like... Right? And I was like, I feel like it's actually structurally sound, the script. And it's funny. Yeah, like, sure, some of the some of the dialogue's a little hokey or over the top. But, like, the whole movie is over the top. That's I don't think they thought they were making an earnest music biopic-style movie. Like, nobody went in to make that. They are making an over-the-top, glitzy, very bright movie based on a comic book. Yeah. And, I mean, some of the more, like five-star ratings, everything. I, I love this one. They said, this is one of the most misunderstood movies of all time. Those that hate it just didn't get it. I absolutely loved it and couldn't care less about what the critics think. This isn't for them. It's for me. And that's so true. It is for the people, you know, who have been having to buy into all these like brand images and everything and it's like yeah don't be afraid to just be yourself you don't have to be a run-in-the-mill person and like have the the newest like air jordans you know it's it's an industry satire and i don't think a lot of people got it i think maybe it could be that the the target demo was so low not low like young like Mm -hmm. because it was sort of aimed at the at the comic book demographic like i remember having an archie comic at the time that had an ad for this in there like that's who it was aimed at so it's gonna like completely miss them because they're they're not going to get it like the people who will get this as a satire and a commentary on capitalism are if anything the parents i don't know that they were expecting an older audience of like anybody post teenage yeah i think which which seems strange because it does hold up i almost like it more now than than i did then same 
I mean, I liked it back then, but I feel like now I even viewed it differently than how I viewed it back then. It's almost funny to think that a movie that's almost entirely about marketing might have mismarketed their movie. But they did. I feel like they really did. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're like, we made this, but now we're like, oh, wait, if people see this, will they stop buying things? As, as, if, we, as if we didn't double down, as if we weren't looking at that being like, ooh, Josie and the Pussycats lip gloss. Yeah. I want that. I want to wear Josie and the Pussycat ears for sure. <laughs> like, come on. We are, the, we are the generation that just went out and bought Lizzie McGuire lip gloss. Like, that's who we are. So, but I guess they didn't know that at the time. True. Yeah, maybe they were just scared that they were boxing themselves out of capitalism. You know, it's the 20th anniversary. So if ever there was a time for this movie to make a comeback and to release a bunch of products that we will definitely buy, I think I think now is it. Yeah. Hey, ColourPop, get on just in the Pussycats. I, I would I would buy all the that stuff. I want it now. <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats makeup is the best thing on earth and you need to buy it now. So was there anything else you wanted to add about this movie? Um, only that it's amazing. And if you haven't seen it yet, what are you waiting for? I wholeheartedly agree. So Brie, can you tell the lovely people where they can find us? Of course, you can find us at thegeekywaffle.com on Twitter, geeky underscore waffle. And really anywhere where you can hear podcasts, we're, we're on there. You can find us. We are also on Instagram, TikTok. and Oh, we have a Patreon. And Patreon. We have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. So, you know, subscribe to that and we'll be Past a certain tier, you get Waffles After Dark. The long-promised Waffles After Dark. And, uh, you know, you can become our backdoor lover. Oh, my God, Brie. Like, it's a du jour song. (laughs) Because it's stuck in my head. But, like... (laughs) We won't, actually. The Waffles here will not become backdoor lovers, but... (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... Thank you so much for listening and stay geeky.